World Championship Wrestling's hottest tag team rivalry explodes next when one half of the unified tag team champions, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, battles Fly and Brian Pillman in a wild lumberjack match. Last week, Big Van Vader sent a brutal message to Sting, and on the eve of their Super Brawl strap match, the monstrous world champion unleashes his fury in the final tune-up for Super Brawl 3. Oh yeah, it's time to go to war! What is up, my radical dudes? Greetings and salutations to one and all on this, the 10th episode of Acceptable in the 90s. Thanks to the support of you lovely listeners, we're now in double figures. And what a time to be alive. Super Brawl is just around the corner. Literally, or at least literally for 1993. We have got the last bit of build available on the network today on the February 20th, 1993 episode of WCW Saturday Night. We have six-man tag team action. We have Vinny Vegas. And don't forget, we have WCW's Sexiest Tag Team. Oh, flipping heck, I think I need to lie down. No time for that now though, instead it's time to put your feet up and find out what occurred on this day in history. It was a sad day for automotive enthusiasts on February the 20th, 1993, as Ferruccio Lamborghini died at the age of 76. He left a lasting legacy, however, as all of his companies continue to operate and be successful to this very day. At the box office in the US, Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray was at number one in the cinemas. In the UK, Bram Stoker's Dracula, starring Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves, topped the cinema-going public's tastes. In the US pop charts, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You is still dominating at number one. And I was incorrect last week, as No Limit by Thingy and Haircut, aka 2Unlimited, is still at number one for a few weeks yet. So folks, as mentioned last week, WCW are in a state of transition as this edition of WCW Saturday Night hit the airwaves on February 20th, 1993. Cowboy Bill Watts' time as head of WCW came to an abrupt end after racially charged comments were unearthed and brought to the attention of Hank Aaron, a member of the Turner Broadcasting Board of Directors. Jim Ross, the longtime voice of WCW and close friend to the Cowboy, was demoted as well, booted from the announce desk and put in charge of selling syndication around the country. Eric Bischoff had just been named to the new executive producer role, while Ole Anderson took Watts's old position. And while talk of selling off WCW was gaining steam, the promotion was still moving forward. Not only signing young talents like Robbie V, a.k.a. Rob Van Dam, Stephen Regal and Max Payne, to name a few, but bringing in established stars like Davy Boy Smith and Sid Vicious, 
the latter returning to the promotion after a notable run in the WWF. Elsewhere, the wrestling world, still reeling from the loss of the legendary Andre the Giant, was shocked to learn of the suicide of the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich. The death of Von Erich was the fourth major Von Erich death since 1984, when David Von Erich tragically passed away in Japan. On WCW TV, meanwhile, the final push was on for Super Brawl 3. The big story heading into the pay-per-view was the classic ongoing feud between World Heavyweight Champion Big Van Vader and Sting. Despite the brilliantly terrible White Castle of Fear vignettes, the strap match itself had the potential to be one of the most vicious and violent WCW pay-per-view main events ever, especially given the participants involved. But as intense and captivating as the Vader-Sting War was, it was far from the biggest story in WCW. As the nature boy Ric Flair, who left WCW in the summer of 1991 after a bitter contractual dispute with then-EVP Jim Hurd, was on his way back to WCW after a brief, but in my opinion, satisfying run in the WWF. The return of Ric Flair to WCW was something that TBS executives hoped would boost ratings and drive interest in the house show business, which had all but evaporated under Bill Watts, and drive up both television ratings and pay-per-view buy rates. Despite the continued downturn in business industry-wise, hopes ran eternal that the success Ted Turner dreamed for World Championship Wrestling was right around the corner. We are broadcasting from the Centre Stage Theatre in Atlanta, Georgia. Commentary for tonight is handled by Jim Ross, who is still with us for now, and Larry Zabisco. These episodes are obviously pre-recorded, so you will still see the likes of Cowboy Billy Dub as well. Our champions at the time include the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, the Great Muta, the NWA WCW Unified World Tag Team Champions of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Shane Douglas, the WCW World Heavyweight Champion Big Van Vader, the WCW United States Heavyweight Champion, the Natural Dustin Rhodes, while the WCW World Television Championship is still vacated as a tournament to crown a new champion is still ongoing on episodes of Worldwide and the main event. And welcome everyone to center stage. Jim Ross and Larry Zabisco, along with Cowboy Bill Watts, welcoming you to this big two-hour broadcast. And Larry, we're just 24 hours away from Super Brawl 3. Tomorrow night's the night, Jim, and I cannot wait. Bill, it certainly seems like the intensity level has really gone over the top. A lot of disqualifications, a lot of out-of-control action in recent weeks right here on this broadcast. Well, you're right, Jim. We're trying to regain some control of it. But I think when big events or on the horizon, like Super Bowl three, that people just get caught up in the momentum. And I'll guarantee you one thing, there's a lot of things that need settling, and I'm glad I'm gonna be there, and I invite everybody to join us tomorrow night at Super Brawl three, with of course Sting and Vader in that dangerous strap match. This is a collision between two immovable objects. Bill, we've also had a great deal of con controversy in recent weeks from Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Jim Cornette and the Heavenly Bodies. What's the bottom line on that? Well, I'll tell you what, he came in and tried to run roughshod, and I sure appreciated their commissioner, Bob Armstrong, his strong stance. And Cornette, I want to say one other thing to you. The Heavenly Bodies may be a corporation or anything you want to call them, but a tag time tomorrow against the Rock and Roll Express 
you're going to name which two guys from the heavenly bodies are going to be in the ring. And we're going to get rid of the other one. Bill, another great match that the promoters have signed. The main event here today will be Ricky Steamboat, one half the Unified World Tag Champions against Flying Brian Pillman with Lumberjack Rules. That's right, Lumberjack Rules. That's something that hadn't been done since I've come to WCW here on television. I think it's a fabulous main event. I'm so excited about it. Lumberjack Rules, that could get wild. Fans, it's going to be a tremendous two-hour broadcast just 24 hours away from Super Brawl 3. We've got a six-man tag match to kick it off. Let's go up to Gary Capetta. We open with a video package hyping the card to come before we head inside Center Stage Theatre in Atlanta, Georgia, where Jim Ross and Larry Zabisco, joined by WCW EVP Cowboy Bill Watts, welcome us to the show. JR and Larry talk about Super Brawl 3 being right around the corner before JR turns to Bill Watts. Ross mentions emotions and tempers running hot with the pay-per-view right around the corner and things being a bit out of control on Saturday night. Watts talks about trying to regain control, but says that big events like Super Brawl 3 create a momentum that some wrestlers get swept up in. There are a lot of things that need settling, Watts says, and encourages fans to join him on pay-per-view. Watts hypes the Vader-Sting strap match at Super Brawl 3, before talking about Jim Cornette needing to pick two guys from his Smoky Mountain Wrestling Heavenly Bodies Corporation, to face the Rock and Roll Express at the pay-per-view. So while it isn't explained why the Rock and Roll Express won't be facing the Wrecking Crew at the pay-per-view, I think all wrestling fans around the world in 1993 breathed a collective sigh of relief that Rage and Fury would not be stinking up the joint with the greatest tag team of all time. Watts then talks about this week's main event lumberjack match between Brian Pillman and Ricky Steamboat, saying they haven't done one on television since Watts has taken over and says that they can get wild. JR then wraps the interview before sending it to the ring to our opening contest. And this is our six-man tag team match of the day. As Scotty Flamingo, Tex Slashinger and Shanghai Pierce take on the team of Marcus Alexander Bagwell, Steve Regal and Two Cold Scorpio. It's a welcome return to this review for Scotty Flamingo. A, oh, hello there, to Slazenger and Pierce and Regal. And a tag match with decent partners for Bagwell before he has to endure being Eric Watts' partner at the pay-per-view. Unless he gets arrested in the meantime, of course. I'll be calling Crime Stoppers at this rate. Despite the best efforts of the heels, the babyfaces dominate much of the action in the match, with Bagwell, Scorpio and Regal each getting their time to shine. Eventually, Flamingo low bridges Bagwell and the match turns in favour of the heels. Bagwell makes the hot tag to Scorpio though, and the match quickly breaks down. As Regal and Bagwell get rid of Slazenger and Pierce, Scorpio drops Flamingo with a superkick before landing a springboard splash and a modified 360 splash, aka the tumbleweed, for the pinfall at 10 minutes and 41 seconds. This was a fast-paced opener that got good time and was designed to give the babyfaces some shine, which it delivered on. This is a first look at the future Godwins team of Slazinger and Pierce, and I had no idea that Regal debuted in WCW as a babyface. I wonder how long that would last. Thanks very much, Larry Zabisco, and ladies and gentlemen, we're just 24 hours away from Super Brawl 3. Without a doubt, one of the most dynamic pay-per-view events ever in WCW. 
and the man that will face Big Van Vader in a lights out, non-sanctioned event, leather strap match, is the one and only Stinger. Let's welcome Sting to center stage. They will be strapped wrist to wrist with a leather strap, the object to incapacitate your opponent and pull him around to all four ring corners. Sting, what a challenge it will be for you tomorrow night. The biggest challenge, I think, in your entire career. Well, let me tell you something, Rossi. I'm dressed for the occasion. I am dressed for the White Castle of Fear, but I don't want to talk about the White Castle of Fear right now. I want to talk about Van Vader. I want to talk about how Van Vader has ruined careers. He has ended careers. In one case in particular, Van Vader, when you took some poor kid who was trying to work his way up the wrestling ranks and make a name for himself in one of his very first matches. And you could have just beat him, but you did more than that. You broke his back. The big power bomb and you broke his back. And then I think about how one time you broke my ribs. And as I start thinking about this, I just want to tell you one thing, Vader. It's not going to be if. It's going to be when. When I hook the scorpion deathlock on you, Vader, I'm going to start cranking on that thing so hard. Your bones are gonna start bending, Vader. And then I'm gonna start thinking about how you broke the kid's back and I'm gonna squeeze harder. Then I'm gonna think how you broke my ribs and I'm gonna squeeze even harder. And then I'm gonna think about how you whipped me like a dog on national TV. And then I'm gonna squeeze so hard, Vader, that your bones aren't just gonna bend, they're gonna start popping. They might even break a little bit. I might even smile in joy. And I'm gonna ask you, is it gonna be no pain, Sting? At that point, no, it's gonna be yes pain, yes pain, yes pain, Vader! Then I'm gonna let go after I work my way out of my little frenzy. And I'm gonna look down at you on the mat and I'm gonna pick you up all 450 pounds of you. And I'm gonna work my way to every single turnbuckle, all four of them. Each one, I'm gonna hit it, no pain. Number two, no pain, until I hit number four. It's gonna be yes pain. Yes pain, Vader. Yes pain, yes pain, yes pain, yes pain, yes pain. Think about that, Vader. Yes pain. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the explosion is tomorrow night. It's exclusively on pay-per-view and will be right back. We head over to Jim Ross for an interview with Sting, who looks every bit the Cruella de Vil fan in a ridiculous fur coat. He says he's dressed for the White Castle of Fear, despite not wanting to talk about it. Sting wants to talk about Big Van Vader, and how Vader has ruined careers, which reminds Sting of the broken ribs that he sustained in a previous match with Vader. At Super Brawl, Sting says it's not a matter of if, but when Sting trapped Vader in the Scorpion Deathlock and returns the favour, thinking of all the injuries that Vader has dished out as Sting breaks Vader's bones. Sting won't be saying no pain at the pay-per-view, but yes pain, as he picks up a lifeless Vader and marches to all four corners for the win. Sting then gets a yes pain chant going to end the interview. We then return to the ring for our second match, as Vinnie Vegas 
takes on the might of Brad Anderson. Brad Anderson is the son of the legendary Gene Anderson. Unfortunately, that's all he has going for him here. He tries to evade the future Big Daddy Cool, but Anderson is no match for Vinnie Vegas. Vegas hits the big sidewalk slam, rolling the dice and landing the snake eyes for the 1-2-3 at 3 minutes and 24 seconds. This was another typical Saturday Night Squash, but as I've been saying in recent weeks, that's not a bad thing. WCW find credible jobbers to make their stars look decent, and that's the case here. Plus, I love the Vinny Vegas gimmick. Jimmy, we're talking about big men, and I know the big event is coming up tomorrow night, Super Brawl, but we are with one of the biggest right now. At six foot six, you see him right now on your screen, 340 pounds, Max Payne. You know something, Shivani? I'm just a little bit upset. All I've heard about is Super Brawl, Super Brawl, Super Brawl. And you know what? I didn't get an invitation until now. Yeah, I'm going to be there. And I'm going to introduce you to somebody. Her name's Norma Jean. And if you miss out on the curves of Norma Jean and the thunder and the fire put forth by Norma Jean, you're going to be missing out on the biggest event in wrestling history. In fact, I'd call it a premiere. So don't miss out on what Norma Jean's about to bestow upon all you heathens. Yeah, don't miss out on what Max Payne's got to put forth to all you people, because I'm different. And you're gonna find out, and the only way you'll find out is by being at Super Brawl. So check me out, because I'm gonna show you something different, something so new and so innovative, you will never believe it. Max Payne and fans, more to come here on TBS. We cut to the locker room as Tony Schiavone interviews the still unbeaten Max Payne. Payne says all everyone can talk about is Super Brawl 3, but that Payne didn't get invited to the show until just now. This is a hint to what's going to happen at the start of the pay-per-view and also one of the matches going in, as we'll get to in our next episode. Payne hypes the arrival of Norma Jean at the pay-per-view and begs fans to buy the show to see her debut. Spoiler alert, it's a guitar. We're now getting to the part of Max Payne's gimmick where the character started to grow on me as he plays a mean guitar. Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow night in Asheville, North Carolina, exclusively on pay-per-view at Super Brawl 3, one of the feature matchups will be Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Cactus Jack in a match where falls count anywhere. And anywhere means anywhere in or out of the building. And it also means that anything goes. You know, a lot of people out there seem to think that this pin falls anywhere is Cactus Jack's match. But I'm gonna tell you something, Cactus. I'm gonna dissect you like I would a frog. I'm gonna show those people out there exactly what Mr. Wonderful's all about. I've watched you, and I've beaten you every time that I've stepped in the ring. Falls count anywhere in the building. It might end up in the balcony. It might end up on the street. It might end up in the bathrooms. I don't know. But I can tell you one thing, Actors Jack. Mr. Wonderful's coming with both barrels loaded, and he's coming for one reason, and that's to prove to you, WCW, and all those 8-5ers out there, that I am the better man. 
Well, fans, we're going to see Cactus Jack momentarily. Let's go back up to Gary Capetta. After the break, Jim Ross interviews Paul Orndorff. JR talks about Orndorff's Falls Count Anywhere match with Cactus Jack at the pay-per-view. And Orndorff says that means anything goes. Orndorff says he's going to dissect Jack like a frog before reiterating that the match could go anywhere and that Orndorff will prove that he, not Cactus Jack, is the better man. These two's feud has been very much back and forth with no real weak opponent, so I'm quite interested to see how this ends. Match number three sees Cactus Jack in action versus Mustafa Saeed with special guest commentator Paul Orndorff. This is a clash of two future ECW stars without giving too much away. Jack pretty much dominates here though, as Jack soon takes the match to the floor where he lands a big leg drop on the concrete before rolling Saeed into the ring for the pinfall at 1 minute and 50 seconds. Unless you enjoy Cactus destroying enhancement talents, there's not much to see here. But Orndorff's old school heel commentary is an absolute laugh for as long as it lasts. Welcome to the Super Brawl 3 Control Center. I'm Eric Bischoff. Super Brawl 3 comes your way live on pay-per-view tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Eastern. Certainly everybody talking about the White Castle of Fear, the non-sanctioned leather strap match between Sting and the 450-pound World Heavyweight Champion, Big Van Vader. And these two athletes have certainly not been trying to avoid each other in the weeks leading up to Super Brawl 3. Here's what's transpired recently between Sting and the 450-pound World Heavyweight Champion, Big Van Vader. it is going to be, but it's only one of the eight explosive matches coming your way live on pay-per-view tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Eastern. If you haven't done it yet, call your local cable company. Tell them that you want to be a part of Super Bowl 3 only on pay-per-view. Now, let's take a look at the entire card coming your way tomorrow night at Super Bowl 3. This Sunday at Super Bowl 3, the first appearance in WCW of Davey Boy Smith. Plus two Colt Scorpio one-on-one -on -one against Chris Benoit. The rookies, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Eric Watts against stunning Steve Austin and Flying Brian in tag team action. Also fans, you are going to see this Sunday at Super Brawl, the Rock and Roll Express against the Heavenly Bodies with Jim Cornette. It will be two on two. Also, in Falls Count Anywhere in the Asheville Civic Center as Cactus Jack meets Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff for the U.S. Heavyweight title. Dustin Rhodes collides with former world champion Ron Simmons. Barry Windham goes after the Great Muda and the NWA Heavyweight title. And then the leather strap match, the White Castle of Fear. Sting against Big Van Vader. You must drag your opponent around the ring, touching all four corners in succession. This Sunday, Super Brawl 3, 7 o'clock on Pay-Per-View. 
Last year at Super Brawl, Sting became the new world's heavyweight champion. The year before that, Super Brawl was the site of some of the most exciting wrestling matches ever seen in WCW. Don't miss Super Brawl 3 coming your way tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Eastern. If you haven't done it yet, call your local cable company and order Super Brawl 3 only on pay-per-view. Following the match, we head to the Super Brawl 3 Control Center with Eric Bischoff. Bischoff hyped the big, non-title, non-sanctioned White Castle of Fear strap match between world champion Big Van Vader and Sting before showing recent footage of Vader hanging and whipping Sting. Bischoff then tosses to a Tony Schiavone-narrated rundown of the card for Super Brawl 3 before signing off. And we return to the ring for match number 4, as WCW World Heavyweight Champion Big Van Vader, accompanied by Handsome Harley Race, takes on Chris Sullivan. This is a non-title contest, as Vader was obviously worried that Sullivan would pull off the upset here. Vader punishes Sullivan before hitting a stiff powerbomb for the 1-2-3 at 1 minute and 44 seconds. Another nothing match really, but it was more set up for the post-match, where Harley Race smears blue face paint onto Sullivan's face before Vader whips Sullivan with the leather strap. A few enhancement talents come out to try and save Sullivan, only to eat the strap themselves. Vader powders to the floor though as Sting rushes the ring to check on Sullivan. Vader taunts Sting until Sting scales the turnbuckles to dive onto Vader, but the referees hold Sting back and the scene ends with a whimper as the two stare each other down and we head to break. Tomorrow night is a night, ladies and gentlemen. Lights out, nonsense, and a strap match. What a war it's going to be, Harley Race. Let me tell you something, Jim Ross. Let me tell you people out there. Stinger, if you've got illusions of grandeur in your mind, you think you're going to take the world title from the greatest athlete on the face of earth, you've got another thing coming. You have to get by tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is going to be the ending of Sting's career. I manage the greatest athlete on the face of God's green earth. Take a look at him. Who's the heavyweight champion of the world? Who's the heavyweight champion of the world? Who's the man that has no fear and feels no pain? Stinger! Stinger! Christmas holidays are over, brother. It's time to go back to school. And you're going to attend Vader's pain game. Pain game. The school of pain, brother. Stinger, you know what a leather strap can do in the hands of the right man. Brother, I'm going to whip you like the dog that you are. And when I get done with the Vader powerbomb, I'm going to drag you around to each four corners. And what you going to do, Sting, what you going to say when you're on your back, broke, in fear, and in pain? What you going to say, Sting, when Big Van Hater asks you, who's the man? Who's the man? What you going to say, Sting? Brother, you look at me, you look into my eyes. There is no pain, no pain. 
No pain! No pain! No pain! No pain! And the war is tomorrow night, and it's not sanctioned. Leather strap match. Let's go back up to the ring. After the break, Jim Ross interviews WCW World Heavyweight Champion Big Van Vader and his manager Harley Race. Sting has another thing coming, Race shouts, if Sting thinks he can take the world title from Vader. Sting needs to get past Vader in the strap match at Super Brawl 3 first, and that match will be the end of Sting's career. Race says that he manages the greatest athlete on God's green earth, smelliest athlete maybe, before Vader shouts about being the man. Vader says the holidays are over and Sting has to return to school. The school of pain and describes how he's going to destroy Sting at Super Brawl. Vader wonders what Sting will do after losing to Vader again and shouts no pain to end the interview. We then return to the ring for match number five as the undefeated Max Payne takes on Keith Cole. Keith Cole, for those who either don't recall, don't know or don't care, was one half of the Cole twins with his brother Kent. As for this match, it's a somewhat competitive squash actually. Cole does his best to keep Payne off base and off his feet, but Payne is just too much for Cole to handle. Soon enough, Payne goes after Cole's arm, winning with the Painkiller, aka the Fujiwara armbar, at 4 minutes and 5 seconds. Having had a couple of blink and you'll miss it squash matches going into this match, I enjoyed the back and forth nature of this one really. I can't fault Payne's blatant skill in ring. I just don't like his look at the moment and I find his character annoying. But I will have a better opinion of him within a year. And we all have to begin somewhere, don't we? Alright fans, welcome back to WCW Saturday Night. You know about the animosity between these two men and of course the World Tag Team Champions. But later on in the hour it will be a lumberjack match flying Brian against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Steve Austin. Well, it's going to be a great singles match, Shivani. But how come it isn't a great tag match? I guess they have you fooled, Tony, but hello! You don't have us fooled for one second. We took out Douglas's knee at the Omni, and he has become the weak link. And a team going against us, you can't afford to have a weak link. It's an obvious smokescreen, Shivani! A crafty move by a KG veteran. We know Douglas is hurt. The first kink in the champion's armor has been firmly established. Steamboat, your little ploy is gonna backfire because today in this lumberjack match, the next step for the team of the 90s, the tag team immortality is gonna take place. Okay, that's it from Austin and Pillman. We go back for tag action on TBS. Coming out of the break, we join Tony Schiavone in the locker room for an interview with stunning Steve Austin and flying Brian Pillman, the Hollywood Blondes. Austin says the Lumberjack match will be a great singles match, but wonders why the main event isn't a great tag team match between the Blondes and Steamboat and Douglas, saying that Shane Douglas, who they injured at the Omni on February 7th, is now the weak link of the team. Pillman says that it's all a smokescreen. The Lumberjack match and that first kink in the champion's armour has been exposed, and that the next step for the Hollywood Blondes' march to immortality happens tonight. But before that, we get our sixth match, as the wrecking crew of Rage and Fury take on WCW's sexiest tag team, the Z-Man Tom Zenk 
and firing blanks, Johnny Gone. Well, we know what match I'm going to enjoy, don't we, kids? Rage and Fury start the match hot, with Zenk unable to handle the duo's power. Soon enough, thanks to quick tags and a focused attack, Z-Man and Gunn briefly turn the match around. It's not enough though, and Wrecking Crew take the fight to Zenk. Johnny Gunn tries a number of times to save him, but it's to no avail. Eventually, Zenk lands a superkick before making the hot tag to Gunn, who can't put Fury away. Out of nowhere, Gunn and Fury collide in the centre of the ring. With both guys down, Rage tries to interfere, only to eat a big front kick from the Z-Man. As the referee tries to get Zenk out of the ring, Rage comes off the top with a botched elbow drop, more falling than flying, onto Gunn, which enables Fury to score the pinfall at 10 minutes and 31 seconds. The wrong team won. This is worse than the main event finish at Clash at the Castle. Karaoke spot and all. Well, it's a beautiful, sunny, windswept afternoon here and we're on special location, but tomorrow night the atmosphere is going to be charged with total electricity and excitement as Super Brawl 3 takes place. And in just a moment, we're going to be talking to Barry Windham. The man is going up against the great Muda in Super Brawl 3 exclusively on pay-per-view for the NWA Heavyweight Championship. Barry, obviously, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship has a grand history behind it. Uh, you talk about people like Lou Fez, Dusty Rhodes, Jack Briscoe, but most of all, Ric Flair, the man who's held it the most times, uh, eight times in his career. Obviously, this man has to be an idol of yours. First of all, Gordon, uh, I didn't come here to talk about Ric Flair, and I don't have any kind of comment about Flair. And what I came here to talk about, the reason you're standing out here on the street so that we can talk about Muda. So let's talk about the great Muda right now, all right? Well, all right, all right, if that's what you want to do and you don't want to talk about Flair, let's talk about the great Muda then. Let's talk about Battle Bowl and Starcade 92. There were two of you left. He won. Listen, Gordon, I don't have to make excuses at all. And he didn't beat me. He drop-kicked me out over the top rope. He never pinned me. Now, Muda is the NWA champion at this time. And granted, he did win the Battle Bowl. He won the ring. Now that's something that's new. It's something that matters to a lot of people. And at that time, it meant something to me. But it is not on scale with me with the NWA Championship. The NWA Championship is something that I've trained for my entire life, and it's something that I want. Well, there's no question in my mind after watching you drive up and watching you compete in the last few weeks that you're obviously in the peak of condition. Bear in mind, however, that Muda did defeat Chono to win the NWA title, and uh, that was a major accomplishment. I believe that the people in Japan thought that Chono was undefeatable. Muda is as good a wrestler as they get. He is the NWA heavyweight champion. But we've been over this, Gordon. We're here to talk about Muda, and we're here to talk about me for the NWA heavyweight championship match. Muda defeated me at Battle Bowl. We've already been over that. The NWA Championship is something completely different, Gordon. You've been around me long enough to know that this is something that I've always wanted throughout my whole career. The NWA Championship is something that has been around the waist of many great men. And Muda is one of them. 
but his day has come to leave town without the belt. The championship is going to be around my waist because it's something that I've been destined to have and it's something that I've trained my entire career for. I've had chances at this championship before, but it's been a long time coming since I've had a match. It's been years. I can count them on one hand, but that's a lot of years to wait on a championship. And this is one that I want, and it's one that I'm going to have. Well, may I just say that I've watched this young man since he was 19 years old when he first entered the ranks of professional wrestling. And I was talking to the late Fireball Roberts of NASCAR fame after he'd won a a championship in NASCAR, and he said, sometimes, Gordon, you have to take it to the ragged edge. I believe this man will take it to the ragged edge to win the NWA title. Well, Gordon, I think you kind of summed it up right there, because I'm going to take it to the edge, and I'm going to take Mutha farther than he's ever been before, because this championship is going to be mine, and Muda, I'm going to take it any way that I can. Super Brawl 3, tomorrow night on Pay-Per-View. We return from the break with this week's WCW Up Close segment. Host Gordon Surley talks about tomorrow night's Super Brawl 3 as Barry Windham drives up on his motorcycle. Surley talks about Windham challenging the Great Muta for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship at the pay-per-view and mentions the great wrestlers that have held the title, including Ric Flair, and wonders if Flair is an idol of Windham's. But Windham only wants to talk about the match with the Great Muta. Soli brings up Wyndham losing to Muta in the Battle Bowl, and Wyndham throws cold water on it, saying that Muta didn't beat him, but threw him over the top rope. He may have won the new Battle Bowl ring, but it's not on par with the NWA World Heavyweight title, something Barry says he's been training his entire life to win. Barry puts over Muta winning the world title for Masahiro Chono in Japan, but says the interview is about Wyndham versus Muta, for the NWA title. Wyndham reiterates his feelings on both Battle Bowl and the NWA title, saying he's wanted the belt his entire career. Muta is one of many great wrestlers to hold the strap, but his day has come and gone, and Barry feels destined to hold the NWA title. Soli mentions a quote from the late stock car driver Fireball Roberts about taking it to the ragged edge to win. And Wyndham says he's going to push Muta further than Muta's ever been pushed and win the NWA title any way Wyndham can. Our main event sees Lumberjack match of Flying Brian Pillman versus WCW Tag Team Champion Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Our Lumberjacks are Shane Douglas, so you can walk to the ring then, Faker, Stunning Steve Austin, Cactus Jack, Robbie V. Steve Regal, Vinnie Vegas, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, Scotty Flamingo, Tex Lazenger, Shanghai Pierce, Keith Cole, Max Payne, and Too Cold Scorpio. Ah, the beauty of working double duty. Despite some early shenanigans with Austin and the Lumberjacks to start, the opening minutes are a largely even affair until Steamboat lands throw up first on the top rope during the commercial break. Pillman, with Austin's repeated help, dominates Steamboat for the bulk of the match moving forward, but cannot put him away. 
We get a few of the obligatory lumberjack brawls along the way, but they peter out quickly. Shane Douglas finally helps Steamboat get a second wind, and Steamboat ends up dropping Pillman with an electric chair before we head to break. Suddenly we're told that the match ended during the break, and we're shown a replay of the match. The replay picks up after the electric chair, and we see Steamboat and Pillman collide mid-ring with dueling body presses. Steamboat fires up and begins choking Pillman, who slams Steamboat before missing a knee drop, which allows Steamboat to go after the knee. Pillman tosses Steamboat to the floor, and all hell breaks loose. In the midst of the commotion, Steamboat cinches in a figure four leg lock, only to have Austin break it up behind the referee's back. Austin holds Steamboat for a Pillman clothesline, but Steamboat ducks. Pillman wipes out Austin and stands in disbelief before Steamboat schoolboys Pillman for the win at 19 minutes and 59 seconds. This is a solid main event and my blatant match of the night, but it's not the classic that some might be hoping for. The story of the match is more to do with Steve Austin's timely interference and Shane Douglas's inability to defend his partner than it is the match in the ring. The match is good for what it is, and the lumberjack gimmick wasn't done to death, nor presented as a hokey farce. However, the replay element of the finish was unnecessary, and added nothing to the match or the finish. Ricky Steamboat's Slam Jam entrance music may well be one of the worst themes ever, but it's well worth a listen. So Steamboat wins a hard-fought match, but I'll tell you, there'll be another day with a team of Steamboat and Douglas and Austin and Pillman. They will fight another day, Larry. Well, they will fight another day, Jim, but tomorrow night is going to be one big fight. You know, when Harley Race said this could be the end of Sting's career, he was not kidding. Fans, so much speculation regarding Super Brawl 3. Will Nature Boy Ric Flair be in Asheville, North Carolina tomorrow night? We have an exclusive update on that situation on the hotline until midnight tonight. And tomorrow on the main event, very special matchup. The television tournament continues. Our final word before Super Brawl tomorrow night. And I can't wait, Jim. Fans, it's going to be a tremendous broadcast tomorrow, 6.05 Eastern Time. But remember, whatever you do, if you cannot be with us in Asheville, North Carolina tomorrow night, call your local cable company. We're going to take it home and show you exactly what happened earlier between Sting and Big Van Vader. Good night, everybody. Slashing, whatever moves. Big Van Vader using that strap. Just like I'm sure he wants to do tomorrow night against Sting. Take the hide right off his body with a leather strap. The carnage again displayed. And here comes Sting. Sting is here. my final thought. Well, there's a lot going on this week, isn't there? The promos and matches all deliver as advertised, and the big matches for Super Bowl 3 are given ample time to breathe. The trouble with WCW, as usual, 
is that only the big matches are getting any real airtime. The bulk of the card, and the undercard talent who need the push up the pyramid, are left twiddling their thumbs. Of the eight matches booked for the pay-per-view, only four of them are talked about, much less hyped in any meaningful way. Compare this to the Bean Gene-led pay-per-view reports on Raw, where you know about every single match going in. The show does a good job of selling us on the big picture, but a lousy job on giving us a real reason to spend the money for anybody else on the show. That said, this episode is a fun 85 minutes of wrestling, and a show that you won't be disappointed in if you choose to seek it out. And now we go on to the post-show awards. The star of the night is shared this week by Pillman and Steamboat. Both guys put an excellent shift in, and you can rely on either of them to have a cracking contest in 1993. My match of the night is obviously the Lumberjack match. Despite the elements of it that I criticised, this was the best match of the night. The highlight of the night though, was getting to see WCW's sexiest tag team in action. But talking of that, the low light of the night is that the wrong team won! Next week, we cover our second pay-per-view of this series, Super Brawl 3. We have the debut of the British Bulldog, the White Castle of Fear strap match, the Rock and Roll Express, and all sorts of other bollocks. Oh, a canny weird man! As always, my friends, please leave your feedback at One Man's Meat Pod on Twitter, as this show will only improve with your input. However, in the meantime, and in between time, stay beefy, Meat Cider!